I'm going to start from Colossians chapter 1. I'll read from 9 to 14. 9 to 14. Colossians chapter 1 from verses, you know, chapter 1 from verses 9 to 14. Praise the Lord. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you very much. Very nice scripture, and um, I don't know what the... I, I thought about many things to call this, uh, but it's just a continuation of... Um, you know, partakers of divine nature, but focusing on, um, I've just called it, walking worthy of the Lord. That's a very kind of title that we used to have in those days in, in Scripture Union. Walking worthy of the Lord. Praise God. <laughs> walking worthy of the Lord. You know, it's not, it's not the, the kind of title that we want now is uh, the next level to the breakthrough. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Those things are important, but I think the core of Christianity is very important. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. One of the things that we need to understand as Christians is the fact that being a good Christian will not deprive you of any good thing. The truth actually is that as we walk with the Lord as good Christians, God will bless us with many other things that we are not running after. The Bible says the Gentiles run after these things. But when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these things will come. You know, one of the things is that sometimes as Christians we forget the things that really matter. And we get carried away and we begin to run from pillar to post and trying to do many things and run after the things that should be running after us. Let me make it clear. The Bible doesn't tell lies. If the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and he says all of these things that the Gentiles run after will come after you. I believe with all of my heart that God is not going to deceive us. I believe with all of my heart that God will do that which he has promised to do. And that's why walking worthy of the Lord, partaking of his divine nature, walking to please the Lord is something that is, must be very, very dear to every one of us. He must be very, very dear to our hearts. Because we shouldn't be carried away with the things of this world. We should know that pleasing God is the most important thing that we've been called to do. So all I just want to do is just to look into this scripture very simply and bring to, uh, to, bring to our awareness some other scriptures, a few more scriptures that I've, we are very, very familiar with just for us to think about these things again and again. You know, um, many things that we talk about in church, you probably have heard before, not just before, but many, many times indeed. And so it's important that we apply our heart to the scriptures and actually be doers of the word of God. 
Let me say this, whether we like it or not, there will be so many things that will continue to wrestle for our attention. There will be so many things that will continue to fight for your attention. There will be so many things. And if we're not conscious of the fact that, you know, we are in a fight and we need to do what is right, we'll be carried away. We'll be carried away. Many people will be carried away. That's the simple truth. So I want us to focus on the things that really matter. Praise the Lord. Now, this is, this is just um, maybe uh, I just thought it might be a good way to, uh, to start. Uh, yesterday, during Grace Chat Room, we had a question that was quite fantastic, but I'll just say part of it. Um, and the part of it I want to say is, is the fact that the, the, the person said that, it, well, with observation, which I think probably some of us have seen also at one time or the other, is that there will be people who maybe when they were in their country of origin, i.e. Nigeria uh, or Ghana or South Africa, wherever, uh, will be on fire for the Lord, very fervent, you know, for the Lord. Very, very, you know, they just want to serve God. They would be on fire for the Lord. They, they're always going to church and always getting their night videos done and doing a lot of things for God, giving to God from the little that they are. You know, just so many, you know, just be involved with God and do great things for God. Fervent in spirit serving the Lord. And then the question is, why is it that some of those people, when they step into a place like this, you know, like the United Kingdom, then suddenly, 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 they begin to relax. You see, they begin to chill out. They begin to calm, to, to calm down. They, they begin to serve God in a more relaxed mode. In, you know, there's nothing at stake. They just begin to serve God. They, they, they take it cool. And, and then, then they begin to come with a lot of philosophies and a lot of doctrines. So it really doesn't matter whether you go to church or not. Then they begin to say things like, you know, we serve God in our hearts. Then they say things like, you know, you, you, know, you don't really need to give to God. You, they, they come with all manner of stuff. And then, of course, we, we, you know, pushing it to the end of it, we get to, you know, we're all born again. We're going to heaven. And, you know, and that's it, whether I go to church or not. All right, I'm not going to go that far today. But the point I want to make is this. You begin to ask yourself, why is that? Why is that? Why is that? And I want to answer, give you one or two answers. And one of the answers is this. The gospel that you start with will determine how you grow. The gospel you start with. This is very important. Now, now, I am not trying to say there are so many gospels. Like Paul would say that, you know, the gospel that is actually not gospel. So you get what I'm trying to say. The kind of word that you started with will determine how you grow and will determine how you're sustained in your Christian walk. The word that you listen to. The word that you listen to, the emphasis that you had at the beginning. And I want to really pray for all of us listening to me today that God will set our foundation right. And our foundation will be solid on truth, not on lies, not on fables, not on the sweetness of the preacher's words, not on any of all of those things, or cunningly devised fables, but that our faith will be built on the word of God. So what would cost that? You can remember my story very well. Now, what would cost that? One of the things that would cost that would, would, is this. 
You know, when people are coming from a, a, a country where, you know, it's underdeveloped and they are to pray for everything and they are to ask God for all of things, there is something about the message that was being preached. And the message also become the kind of message that promises abundance and prosperity in God. So people begin to think that the reason we go to church, like many people we even say in this country, the reason people go to church in Nigeria, people go to church in Brazil, is because they're poor. It's because they don't have money. It's because they don't have food to eat. Now the truth is this. Now you can blame those who say that. But the message from the pulpit also underscores that point. The message from the pulpit comes to tell people that, you know what, you need to become born again so that God can heal you of your sicknesses and diseases. So what happens when you get to the United Kingdom and you don't need God to do that? Then you begin a problem. Now, the message is this. You know, every poverty in the name of Jesus, when you become born again, prosperity and poverty will disappear in Jesus' name. Then you get to a country where you don't need to pray. You get what I'm talking about now. And then you don't need God to meet your financial needs, then God becomes useless. Now, the message is this. Uh, you can need to fast and pray so that, so that electricity will not go when we want to do this crusade. Oh God, uh, we fast and we pray so that there will be light as we do this crusade. And then now you get to a country where the light doesn't go, so you don't need to pray again. So the message that we were preached, it wasn't balanced at all. It was a God-giving, go-get-from-God kind of message. So when you don't need God to meet your needs, then that's the end of the gospel. That's the end of the gospel. Because now I don't need God to have money. I don't need to pray for my daily bread. In fact, you know in this country, there are some people who don't work have money more than some of you. Not some of you in TRM church, it will not happen to you in Jesus' name. Some people don't know why, why I work out. They can eat food. They have house to live in. And so, if all that God can do for someone is to put food on the table and give them shelter, then that means in a well-developed country, what you're trying to teach is you don't need God. And so people who have moved from such messages, who have moved from such background, which people still continue to do, which we still use the gospel to bait as a bait for people. We still preach the gospel as if the end of it is prosperity. The end of it is money. The end of it is what you can get from God. So when people get to a place where those things are supplied outside of God, the faith becomes fickle. So the question I want to ask you today is this. Why are you a Christian? That's the question I want to ask you. Why are you a Christian? Are you a Christian because of what you want to get from God or are you a Christian because you know that that's the only life? Am I a Christian just so that I can receive something from God or am I a Christian because there is no other life? That anyone could have that would be meaningful outside of God. And that's what you need to ask yourself. Because let me say this. I know there are so many people listening to me right now. You were on fire for God before you came to the United Kingdom. And you have been in the United Kingdom for many years. And God has blessed you. And you are still on fire for God. Say amen. 
You are being on fire. You were on fire. You are on fire. You will continue to be on fire. You know why? Because, because those material things cannot change your perception of God. That means you didn't just believe God for what he could give you. You believe God for who he is. And that's the question you do. You have to believe God for who he is. You have to believe God for who he is. You have to believe God that he is your savior. You have to believe God. You know, I think somebody was saying something one day. I can't remember, you know, and we were saying it on Sunday too. That if God just showed us mercy and there was no grace to give us anything and he just saved us from going to hellfire, that would have been enough to save him. Is that serious? Why am I a Christian? That's why we're talking about walking worthy of the Lord. Walking worthy of the Lord. Because if somebody understands what Christianity is, then it will be very, very serious. It will be a major thing in their life that they want to walk worthy of the Lord. They want to walk worthy of the Lord. They want to walk worthy of the Lord. Where God is more than everything that this world can provide. Where God is more than everything that this world would give. Where God is more than food on the table. Where God is more than a new car. Where God is more than buying many houses. Where God is more than all of those things. We're not saying we're not going to have all of those things. Because when you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these things will be added to you. You're still going to have all of those things. But when you know why you serve God... There will be a lot of things that will mean less to you and a lot of other things that will, mean, that will mean a lot. Why am I a Christian? The scripture says, for this reason, if you, from, from verse 1, was talking about the faith of these people. That the faith that they had in Jesus Christ and how they've been walking with the Lord and all of that. And say, for this reason, we also, we want to join with your faith. Since the day we heard it, Edward, their faith. Well, Edward, how they were walking with God. He says, since the day we heard that, we haven't stopped praying for you. And we've been asking that God will fill you with knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I think we've said this many times. That without knowledge, it's impossible to be able to grasp or apprehend the things that God has given to us. And so the prayer, this is one of the most common prayers in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. It's all about wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. That your eyes of understanding be enlightened. That you'll be able to know. In fact, the most powerful prayer that Paul prayed for himself is that that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and of course, and the fellowship of his suffering. So you see, the, 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 the most profound prayer that you would see in, in, in the New Testament is about knowing God. In fact, Jesus Christ stood up and he said in, in John chapter 17, he said, and this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, your son, who you are saying. Now listen carefully to this. The call, the call, one of the most important things that you would ever do as a Christian is to know the Lord. It's to know the Lord. It's to intermingle with the Lord. It's to genosco God. It's to have an experiential knowledge of God. It's to have a revelational knowledge of God. It's to know God in all ways and in all ramifications and to continue to know him. 
It's very, very important because without knowledge, we are unable to grasp anything that God has given to us. And he said, we'll be filled with knowledge, not scantily with knowledge, but filled with knowledge of his will, not just any random stuff, but of his will, not just of the things that he wants to do, but of his ways, of his ways in all wisdom, so that we have the capacity to apply and spiritual understanding. Now, spiritual understanding is extremely important because without understanding, it is impossible to profit, to profit, to profit as a Christian. Without understanding, the word of God cannot yield any result for us. For you see, it's only the one that first on the good ground, which had understanding, was able to bear fruit. I'm going to get to that very soon. So it's important that we are filled with the knowledge of God in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we may walk worthy of the Lord. What does it mean to walk worthy of the Lord? New Living Translation says this, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. What does it mean to, to, to walk worthy of the Lord? The Message Bible says that we pray that you will live well for the Master, making him proud. Oh God, God, making him proud of you as you walk out in his vineyard or in his orchard. So, walking worthy of of the Lord is to live in a way that is honoring God. Hallelujah. Walking worthy of the Lord is to live in a way that is pleasing to God. Walking worthy of the Lord is to live well for the master. Hallelujah. It's to live good for the master. It's to live worthily for the master. It's to live in a way that the master will accept and approve and say well done. And that's why I like what the message Bible says when it says it's making God proud. Out, living well for the master. What does it mean to live worthy of someone, to walk worthy of someone? Now, for instance, some of us, maybe you remember this, and maybe some of us are already saying that to our children, things like, remember the son of whom you are. What you're trying to tell your child is this, wherever you find yourself, you must walk worthy of the name that you carry. You see, what you're trying to tell your child is, uh, it doesn't matter where you find yourself. Uh, you might be far away from home or near home, but always walk worthy of the name that you carry. In other words, walk worthy of the family name. In other words, walk worthy of your father or your mother or your parents or your pedigree. Walk worthy. In other words, walk in a way that is pleasing to them. Walk in a way that is agreeable to their standards and principles. Walk in a way that is honor, honoring them and pleasing to them and acceptable by them. And that's what it means to walk worthy of the Lord. So he says, walk worthy of the Lord. And then he says, how? fully pleasing him. God wants to be pleased with us. You know, the word please is so important. It's the word please. Let, let me say this. Now, when we talk about love, we talk about agape love and we talk about filio. Now, when it comes to the Bible saying God wants to be pleased with us, uh, you see, the, 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 the connotation there, it's more than agape. Because with agape, you necessarily don't need to be pleased. Uh, you got to follow this. With agape, you don't need to be pleased. You just love. It's an unconditional love. You, you have nothing to do to improve it, decrease it, expand it, make it better, or make it poorer. It's agape. It's God. That's God. And you can't do anything 
anything about that to change it. So God loves us with everlasting love. No matter what we do, no matter whether you are a liar or a drunkard or a fornicator, God loves you. But now, now you're going to step away from that and move into this. For the Bible now says that we need to fully please him. The connotation here now exceeds just agape. Now we're talking about the kind of love that is involved with filial, where God expects something from us. So this isn't just, um, you know, I love you no matter what you do. No, 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 no. That's where we get it wrong as Christians. No, God also filials us. Hallelujah. That's why when David did something that God didn't like, the Bible used the word displeased. The Bible said, and what David had done displeased the Lord. If the Lord doesn't like you, you can displease him. Oh, if the Lord doesn't like you, you can displease him. If God deals with you only with agape, you cannot displease him because it's unconditional. You cannot displease him. But when God begins to fill us, hallelujah, when God actually likes us, hallelujah, when God actually wants to hang around with you, when God actually wants you to talk with him and be with him and be his friends, when God actually wants you to be close to him, now we're moving beyond just the agape. We're moving into God counting on you. Glory to God. We're moving to God expecting something from us. And so the Bible says, fully pleasing him. I want you to lift up your right hand and say, God, I will live to please you. I will live every day of my life to please you. In the things that I do, I want to please you. David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. I want somebody to pray the Lord in my thoughts, in my words, I want to please you. In the things that I do, I want to please you. Even the things that people don't see about me, I want to please you. In my secret places, I want to please you. In the open, I want to please you. Every time, every day of my life, Lord, I want to please you. Because God says, the Bible says we must walk worthy of the Lord, fully, fully pleasing him. How can I please him if I live my life full of hatred and bitterness and backbiting? How can I please him if I'm wanting my friend to fall down and die? How can I please God when all I want is for somebody else to fall so that I can go up? How can I please God when I want to climb on somebody else's shoulder so that I can make it in life? How can I please God when I see people all around suffering and in pain and I can't do anything about it or I won't do anything about it? How can I please? You remember Jesus said that once you give a drink to one of these things, you've done it to me. How can I please God when my bowels of mercy is shut down and I, I don't feel anything about people's pain and I don't care for anyone? How can I please God? First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 2 says, Finally then, brethren, we urge, we urge and exalt in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more. And more, just as you received from us. How? Everybody say, how? It is how you ought to walk and to please God. That is a how to walk to please God. The meaning of that is there is a how to walk and displease God. They say how to walk and God is not pleased. They say how to walk, to please God. He said, as you have received, he said, I want you to continue more and more like that. Continue to be greater and better in knowing how. One translation uses the word learning more. How 
you are to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes people think this isn't in the Old Testament. Uh, this isn't in the New Testament. Listen to this. You are bought with a price. I've been bought with a price. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to God. And if we understand we belong to God, that means we do not have a life. And that means the life that we must live, we must live by faith in the Son of God who died for us. And so it is not life if it's not pleasing to the one who owns it. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And I says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, in other words, because of what is done for you, because of what is done for you, because of what is done for me, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Fully pleasing him, bearing fruit, being fruitful in every good work and increasing again in the knowledge of God. Being fruitful in every good work. How do I please God? By being fruitful in every good work. We get to eat fruit. By their fruit, we shall know them. We need to bring forth fruit that agrees with repentance. You cannot have it and not produce it. I cannot have the Spirit of God, and then I've lived all my life, 10, 15 years, I have the Spirit of God, and nothing changes. Bearing fruit unto good works, bearing fruit. Bearing fruit, being fruitful in every good work. I want you to lift up your right hand and begin to pray. The Lord, that I will be fruitful in every good work. I will not be barren in every good work. I will be fruitful in the works of righteousness. I will be fruitful in good work, in works of love. I will be fruitful in the works of witnessing and evangelizing, in the word, in the works of being good to people and shining the light of God. I'll be fruitful in every good work. That wherever I find myself, wherever I go, I'll be fruitful. Being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful. Being fruitful. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship. We are his handiwork. God designed us and fashioned us and made us and prepared us. Glory to God. We are his handiwork. We are his masterpiece. We've been put together and arranged by God. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
You are. I am. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared before and that we should walk in them. He prepared that we should walk in it. Wow. You are God's workmanship. You are being created in Christ Jesus for good works. I was telling us the other time about Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. But he will receive the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces. Lift your hands and say, I will bear fruit and produce. <laughs> I will bear fruit and produce. Bears fruit and produces. Some are hundred for some sixty, some thirty. Without the word of God and understanding it, we cannot bear fruit and produce. And it's not sufficient that we have the word of God. It is important that our hearts become the good soil. That we have a good heart that we receive the word of God with gladness and guard the word of God until it germinates and produces results. If I want to bear fruit, I need to walk on my heart. Because the heart of man is the soil. And if my heart is not prepared, if my heart is not fertile, if my heart is short and stony, if my heart cannot respond to the Spirit of God, if my heart cannot respond to the anointing of the Holy Spirit, if my heart will not respond to God's voice, how can I bear fruit? How can I produce? The land must be soft enough. The heart must be yielded to the Holy Spirit. Yielded to the influence of the grace of God. Yielded to the word of God. And then it will bear fruit. If I want to walk worthy of God, I need to bear fruit. And I need to take care of my heart. My heart must be in a situation where it can bear fruit. But the beautiful thing is this. That the Bible didn't say you are able of your own to do any of this. Somebody say yes. And so he moves on to say that strengthened with all might. You will not be weak. Strengthened with all might. Everything that is required for you to walk worthy of the Lord, you have it. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Of course, for all patience and long suffering with joy. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. You cannot, listen carefully to this, brothers and sisters. You cannot do the work of God with the energy of the flesh. You cannot do the work of the spirit with the power of humanity. You cannot deliver God's result with human capacity. Listen to this. There is that which human can do. There is that which God can do. If you want to walk worthy 
of the Lord, then you need the Lord to give you strength to walk worthy of him. You see, you don't put a demand on anything except you have already invested. The reason why you remember at the beginning where you would tell your son or your daughter, remember the son or the daughter of whom you are, is because you believe that you have invested some training. You have invested at least your DNA. You have invested your traits. You have invested something into them. And so it's uh, uh, that, that is upon that now that you are telling them to remember the son of who they, 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 they are wherever they find themselves. That they should know the source. They should know the things invested. So God is saying to you that he is not expecting you to do anything by your own strength. But that we are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. I want you to lift up your right hand and begin to pray that God may I never depend on my own ability. That as I serve you, I work with you, may I never depend on my own strength. For by strength shall no man prevail. I wanted to pray that in all the things that I have to do in my work with God as I fulfill purpose, as I break new barriers, as I become a trailblazer, as I change lives as I turn around destinies unto God as I do great things and great wonders as I increase at work as my family becomes blessed and blessed as my finances increase and explode as you give me strength and health in everything that I do that I will never depend on myself for the arm of flesh we fail. Young people, listen to this. Learn from a young age not to depend on your own ability. Doesn't matter how smart or how intelligent you are. The race is never to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. Those that trust in the Lord. The Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. That the righteous, they run to it and they're safe. There's no power greater than the power of God. There's no anointing higher than the anointing that God delivers. So I want you to pray, pray, pray that God in everything that I do that I will be strengthened with all might according to God's glorious power I am strengthened you can be positive about it and prophesy I am strengthened with all might I am strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. What he's saying is this, you will be so strong in your heart that even when adversity comes, you are still strong. That when you, act, when you need to be patient, you are still strong. When you have to suffer for long, you are still strong. You're not going to do it grumbling and murmuring. You will do it in joy. In the name of the Lord Jesus, strengthened, strengthened. Strengthened, strengthened. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. For anyone who is strong in himself will be defeated. For it is not of him that wills, nor of him that runs, but it is of God who shows mercy. For in him we live, and in him we move, and in him we have our being. If the Lord has not been on our side, the Bible says, let Israel say, finally, 
my brethren, after all said and done, be strong not in yourself. Be strong not in your finances. Be strong not in your education. Be strong not in your intelligence. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of of his mind. God's plan is not for us to please him by our own strength and power. He wants us to work with him as he supplies us with strength. Can I tell somebody, stop struggling to please the Lord. Stop struggling to please the Lord. Submit to his grace and power. Isaiah 40, 29 to 31, it gives power to the weak. It gives power to the weak. It gives power to the weak. That's the weak who is humble and knows that they have no power of their own. It gives power to the weak and to those who have no mind, it increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the, and the young men shall utterly fall. What he's saying is this. The Bible talks about the strength of the youth. The Bible talks about young men being powerful. But you see, he's saying that even when the strength of the youth fails them, and even young men do not have capacity to continue, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You will mount up with wings as eagles. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not faint. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. Verse 12 says, giving thanks to the Father. Giving thanks to the Father was qualified us. Giving thanks to the Father. Giving thanks to the Father. Anybody here want to lift your hand and say, Lord, I say, I thank you for all that you have done. Hallelujah. Where will I be if Jesus didn't die for me? Where will I be if Jesus didn't come? Where will I be if he didn't sacrifice his life? And somebody here just want to say, Lord, I thank you above all things, above all things, above all things. For the gift of salvation, I, I say thank you for counting me worthy. For your mercy, O oh God. For the great love with which you have loved us. For your mercy and your grace. You know, sometimes we get carried away and we just want to thank God for all the new things that we've done. We want to thank God for a new job. That's fantastic. We want to thank God for a new degree. That is brilliant. We want to trust God for all those material blessings. Fantastic. But anybody here just want to thank God for being here and being saved. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That your, all your sin were blotted out. Hallelujah. That your name has been written in the book of life. Not for anything you've done, but just because of what Jesus did. Giving thanks. Giving thanks. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you want to walk worthy of the Lord, you're going to give him thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Hallelujah. And you know why we also need to give him thanks? Because he qualified us. 
to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. God qualifies us. Now I'm going to be bringing this to an end today. We can walk worthy of the Lord because God has provided us with everything that is needed for us to walk, for us to walk worthy of him and to please him. He has provided us with everything. He has qualified us to be partakers of all of his inheritance. And so in walking worthy of the Lord, now follow this. We have to quit seeing ourselves as undeserving. We have to stop seeing ourselves as unqualified, undeserving, just struggling and managing to please God. We have to approach God with confidence and in faith. Hallelujah. So that we can be a partaker of that which he has qualified us for. Sometimes in walking with the Lord and walking worthy of the Lord, before many people will come back to themselves and will begin to struggle and begin to try in their own strength to please the Lord. And so, for instance, maybe someone has been lying. <laughs> and so they'll be struggling not to lie again. Maybe someone has been very stubborn. And they'll be struggling not to be stubborn. And somebody backbites and gossip. They'll be struggling to stop. But I want to tell you something. Why not just humble yourself and say, I can't do it on my own. And submit to the grace and to the power of God. We are deserving of the consequences of sin before we became a Christian. We deserved punishment. We deserved hellfire. We deserved all the wrath and the anger of the Almighty God. But wait a minute. That was when you were not a Christian. But the moment that you become born again, you were delivered completely and absolutely from the wrath of God. Why won't somebody here humbly accept the provisions of grace. Why would somebody here humbly accept the provisions of grace? The inheritance of the saints in the light talks about the provisions that we have. These things are ours. Talking about all the blessings of God, the righteousness of God that we have, the, the, the justification, the blessing, all of those blessings that God has released on us. We're no longer in darkness. We have been moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son as partakers of God's divine nature. But as we begin to bring this to a close, I want to just quickly point us to something on Sunday. You've got to listen to mess- Sunday message several times. All of these things that I've said, many people will be wondering, is it that easy? It, it, why, why am I struggling? Why is this person not struggling? Now listen to this. I said to us on Sunday that a man may sit at the table full of delicacies but not be a partaker of the food on the table. The grace of God has made all things available 
But you see, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, we're talking about walking worthy of the Lord. Is anybody still with me? Without faith, Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. For either want to walk with the Lord and walk worthy of the Lord must know that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. A man may sit at the table and not partake. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to walk worthy of the Lord. Without faith, how can I fully please him? For without faith, it is impossible. So now, everything has been provided. But without faith, I can't please him. So I need grace and I need faith for me to be able to walk worthy of the Lord. Because grace will provide you with everything you require, the access, the empowerment and everything. But for you to connect to it and be a partaker, manifesting the goodness of the Lord and manifesting, manifesting all the beautiful things of God and doing great exploits, you need faith. You need faith. But I'll make it simple. You need to rely completely on the Lord. You need to trust him that he will never lie to you. You need to trust him that whatsoever he says is true. The Bible says all the promises of God, they are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. You need to trust God. That if he says that he's watching over you, he's not lying. You need to trust God that when he says he will never leave you nor forsake you, it's not lying. You need to completely rely and trust him that what he says he will do, he will do. It's now as we begin to walk with him in faith and begin to rely on him and trust him and depend on him, that will begin to manifest all the beauty and the goodness of the Lord. And then for many of us, that's when we'll begin to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Let me just say this and then we'll pray. So what's next? I'll give you a few advice. You must be happy that you are here. You must be happy that you belong to God and that you are saved. You must Know that it's a great privilege that we're not on the highway to hellfire, but we are children of God. You must respect and value what you have, and you must hold on to it tight. We're not of them that draw back into perdition. You must respect and value what you have. You must respect and value it and hold on to it. You must give yourself to knowing what you have and who you are in Christ Jesus. I can overemphasize this. You must always be thankful and grateful and appreciative of all the blessings that God has bestowed upon our life. You must remain steadfast as you stand on the promises of God. If you want to be a divine partaker, if you want to walk worthy of the Lord, you must remain steadfast as you stand on the promises of God. The last thing I want to share with us is this. 
Your confessions are very important. Your confession is a bridge between your belief and your reality. Your confession. When I say confession, there are so many things that that means. Prayer could be confession. Your confession, your spoken word, it's a bridge between your belief and your reality. Your confession. I'm not going to go through that in deeply today, but you know Mark 11, 22, 23, whatsoever ye desire when ye pray. It's what you say that you would have. That's not the power of positive speaking. That's faith that I'm talking about. That if we genuinely believe God will speak forth. And so I want to encourage you from today. Begin to speak in line with God. As a divine partaker, God speaks. And he speaks positively. He declares what he wants. And that's going to be my last advice. Speak health. Speak healing. You are powerful. You're loaded with grace. That's how to please God. Speak life. Speak strength. That's what God does.